Welcome to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. Hear and learn through the success of others how to build the life and business you deserve. Learn to overcome failure, what it means to seek out growth, and how to become the best possible version of yourself. And now, here's your host, coach, entrepreneur, husband and father, and author of the number one best-selling book, Survive, Scale, Soar, Jeremy Williams. And welcome back. This is Jeremy Williams, and you're tuning in to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast, the podcast for the entrepreneur built by entrepreneurs. Today, I'll be joined by Chris Grum, owner of Premier Custom Travel. We talk about cruises, what makes a small business successful, pet peeves, and more. Before we get started with our guest, a quick reminder, if today's episode moves you, makes you think differently, makes you laugh, or you know it may help someone, be sure to share it. And Chris, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jeremy. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. All right. So before we get into some of the more thought-evoking conversation, we've got to address it, Chris. The, the podcast cover, uh, I don't want somebody <laughs> to look at that and be like, what the hell is this? Why am I going to listen to this? So what, what was that picture? So that was taken uh, on board Holland America's flagship Rotterdam, which is a brand new ship. And one of the things that I enjoy doing whenever I go on a cruise uh, is going to the spa. And, you know, most cruises have at least one or two formal nights or elegant nights, whatever you want to call it. And I hate shaving. So what I do is I schedule a gentleman's shave for the formal nights and I go and let them pamper me. And what you saw was part of that package, which is a men's facial, basically. And so that was the, I don't even know what they call it, but it, they put it on you and then it hardens up and then they take it off and it's supposed to make you look 10 years younger. I'm not so sure it did that, but uh, that's what that basically is. And it's, uh, I, I believe it's called a pro-collagen grooming treatment, uh, which is a fancy way of taking my $89, but I'll, I do it every cruise and love it. And take it, taking a couple of layers of skin with it. Uh, pretty much, yeah. But I think I've got plenty to spare. So, uh, but yeah, that was uh, one of those things where I said, let me have my camera. I'm going to take a picture and share this. And she says, are you sure you want to do that? And now I'm kind of regretting that now that you're using it as a podcast cover. Yeah, I'm glad we got that out of the way. I've had a couple of questions and a couple of messages sent. Like, what what's going on there? What are y'all even going to be talking about? <laughs> Awesome. Skincare. Uh, Welcome to Jeremy's Skincare Clinic. Yeah, it's, it's my side hustle. That's what I what I do is I, I coach at day and skincare at night. <laughs> no, yeah. At night. <laughs> you know, if you're listening to this and you think that either one of us is qualified to talk about skincare, uh, you really should reevaluate your choices in podcasts. Let's put it that way. Awesome. Well, Chris, obviously you own a, a cruise company that, that sells packages, Premier Custom Travel. And we'll get into the, the specifics of the business. I've, I've noticed, though, it seems like for the last two months, like you've been on a ship somewhere. <laughs> it seems like it. Yeah. Um, since we restarted the cruise industry back in July of last year, I believe I have done nine or 10 cruises. And, you know, I got to say, first of all, I'm incredibly grateful, number one, to be able to do that. Uh, but number two, to be in an industry that allows me to do that. Uh, but it's one of those things, Jeremy, where, you know, if you whether you're talking cruises or real estate or whatever it may be, you really can't sell the product unless you experience it. You know, I mean, you're not going to buy a house without walking through it. At least I hope you wouldn't. Uh, you're not going to buy a car without a test drive. And so for me, 
as the person who sells cruises and you know we do other things as well at premier custom travel but cruise is probably 75 percent or more of our business and it's it's vital for me to be able to get on the ships and experience them and so that's what i've been trying to do uh over the last i guess it's almost 12 months is get on board and be able to bring people the the true story about what's going on because as you know as well as i do there's a lot of stories in the media that aren't true i was on a cruise at christmas and there were blogs talking about our ship that were not telling the truth and it was so frustrating to, to read something and go i'm on this ship and this is not true i don't know where they're getting this but uh so anyway i've been trying to get the word out that that cruising is back it's safe and that we're ready ready to welcome people back on board and i will tell you you get on one of those ships and the crew is excited to see people the people on board are happy to be there and it's it's uh it's almost like the last two years didn't happen in the sense of the excitement and the feeling on board but they are being very careful and the protocols are there and as you know the numbers say we're doing it the right way which is great yeah that's it's been i know i know it's been a very challenging year for last two years right mm. in, in your business and for this to come back on uh what what do you think was the biggest step that the cruise industry made to bring every everybody back online you know that's a great question there were so many things that were going on behind the scenes and uh, i'm lucky in that i'm on a couple of boards where i get to hear the info before it makes it to the public and you know if i had to say the biggest step um Honestly, it might be the grassroots campaign that we did with Clea, getting the cruise people, the people that enjoy the product, to tell the Congress that they want it back. Um, because as you may know, the biggest hurdle that we had was the CDC basically shut us down uh, for, for almost two years. And it was getting them to understand that we were going to restart the right way and that we weren't going to be uh, just throwing people on ships and not worrying about sanitation, not worrying about health, not worrying about testing. And I think that we've done it in a very responsible way. And the, the numbers show that. Um, the last statistic that I saw said that you are somewhere over 20% more likely to catch COVID on land than you are on a cruise ship. Now, if you look at the media, they're going to use the words like uh, a Petri dish and death on the high seas and things like that. And they're just quite frankly, not true. And, and I think it's almost the, the analogy that I always use and it makes me laugh is, I think it's kind of like uh, the people that watch baseball or football and talk about how much they hate Joe Buck, but yet they watch every game that he calls and he just got the biggest sports contract in history. And you, you go, okay, the two things don't seem to add up. And it's kind of the same thing with the cruise industry. I think it's kind of, um, cool, if you will, if you've never been on a cruise to say, oh, it's just a Petri dish and I wouldn't do that and here's why. But those people have never been on a ship. They don't really know what's going on. And the people that have said, oh, no, no, that's not true. And if we do this and we do this and we do this, we can do it safely. And eventually that got to the right people and it started this grassroots campaign. And here we are back and we have not had another shutdown. And I think a lot of people that are not in the industry thought we would. We haven't. You know, we've had a few cancellations here and there, but those are going to happen. It's just like, you know, you look at Broadway, you know, shows have had to delay or cancel because of somebody getting COVID. It happens, you know, and we're learning to adapt to that. But I think the, the long answer to your short question was the people were the ones that made this happen. 
Yeah, and I, I, there's something interesting that you said, and, and I think it applies to all, to all businesses. It'd be like me going and saying, you know, that that restaurant, their food sucks, and I've never, I've never <laughs> exactly even been there. Or, you know, Jeremy's a horrible, horrible coach. And it's like, I, I don't even know who this person is or yeah. nor have they coached with me. And I'm sure you probably have that with Premier Custom Travel. They, they're mm-hmm. just the worst. And it's like, you start going through your books, you're like, I don't think they've ever even booked anything. With oh, them. yeah. Yeah, we've had Facebook reviews from people that have never worked with us. And well, you know, if you want to give us the five star, I'm all for that. But at the same time, it just doesn't make any sense. And why would you want to spend your time doing that? But I think a lot of times people want to look informed on any issue and they'll say anything to do it. And sometimes it's at the detriment of others. And, you know, I I think about it from this point of view. I would never want to say something about an industry that I don't understand and hurt somebody's income because of it. And that's the thing is, is that, you know, for for the better part of two years, I had no money coming in because as a travel advisor, I am 100% commission. And, and on top of that, I'm the owner of the company. So I'm paying out money to keep us open even when we're not bringing in revenue. And so that's the challenge that travel advisors across the country faced is that most of us are 100% commission. And not only were we not getting that, but we were giving a lot of it back because of the cancellations. Or in some instances, I, I had Jeremy, I had a customer that canceled 15 or 16 different times. I lost track. Not, not, not canceled themselves, but COVID canceled them. And the way it works with a lot of the cruise lines is you get paid on the initial booking because they said, okay, we'll protect that original commission that you lost. And then you get paid on the last booking. But all that work in the middle, those 15 or 16 in the middle or 14 in the middle, you don't get paid for. So you're doing the work of 16 cruise bookings, but getting paid for two. And so, you know, imagine any industry you're in. Imagine in real estate selling 16 houses and only getting paid for two of them. That's what a lot of agents faced. And so, yeah, it was certainly a challenging a couple of years, but I will say this, it is back and it is back with a vengeance. Uh, all of the numbers say, in fact, um, I don't know if you saw, but Carnival and Royal Caribbean, two of the biggest cruise lines in the world and biggest companies, uh, and both of them in Galveston, by the way, both of them just reported record days this past week, that their booking days were the best they've ever had in the history of the company. And that is incredible. One of the other things that I got to uh the, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a big cruise conference called Cruise 360, and they uh, they give us a ton of information. But one of the things we get from CLIA, which is Cruise Lines International Association, is their research. And the interesting thing about it was the people who have cruised before are ready to go again. And we knew that was going to happen. But the surprising statistic out of the whole thing was we assumed that the people that hated cruises or said the never cruisers, if you will, would would increase, that they would get even more dug in. And the stats are saying that that's not true, that actually they're actually not all of them, but more than we would have expected are actually thinking about, you know what, I might actually do this. And it's it's really surprising because we did not expect that research. And I was sitting with the director of research for CLIA and he's showing me these numbers and saying we were blown away by this. The never cruisers are dwindling instead of growing. And that was really kind of a surprise. But you know as well as I do, Jeremy, we've all been pinned up for two years. We're ready to travel and we're ready to go on vacation. 
and you know you homeschool the kids or you had them on virtual learning for a year and everybody wants to get out of the house and go do their thing and so and and the other interesting thing about it is they're spending more they're taking that money and saying you know what maybe i don't have a tomorrow maybe i should go and experience what i want to experience now and the people that used to buy interior state rooms are moving up to balconies the people that used to buy ocean views are moving up to suites and so you're seeing these people really want to get that authentic experience and and they're not going cheap anymore so that's good news for all of us and hopefully it'll help the economy at some point yeah here's the here's the problem with moving up is we we started out in the interior room and then we went to the balcony and it was like i can't go back to an interior room and then we oh, went yeah. to a, a suite and then we're like we can't go back to a balcony and then we went you know like the haven with norwegian mm -hmm. and i'm like i can't cruise any other way now so yeah thanks chris you're very welcome. And that, you know, that's a great thing for me, but it's it's also a challenge. Um, I, a few years ago, I earned a free complimentary, uh, free and complimentary or interchangeable. You're welcome, folks. Um, but interior stateroom on a cruise. And Melissa and I went on that cruise. And afterwards, she said, that was really nice. I'm never doing that again because we're spoiled with the balconies or in some cases with the suites. And you're right. Once you go up there, it's it's almost impossible to go backwards. Do you see any foreseeable challenges with, with the travel industry coming up? I know they just extended uh, the mask mandate for flying yep. for a couple more weeks. It, they're never going to end that. Um, do you see anything that's going to hinder or be an obstacle, do you think, coming up? Or do you think we're, we've pressed through that point? I think we pressed through most of it. Um, with the mask mandate, I'm not as pessimistic as you are about it. And I think, and I don't know that two weeks is going to be the answer, but I think eventually that will go away. I just think that, you know, it's interesting. You go to the airports now, and I've been in a bunch of them over the past few months, and there are a lot of people that are just done with it and are not complying and are ready to move on. And, you know, you're not seeing the numbers spike tremendously because of that. And so I think that that'll eventually go away. I think the biggest challenge right now is that there are still a lot of procedures and policies in place that are restricting the some people from traveling. For example, with most cruise lines, uh, you do have to be vaccinated. You have to take a, a test before you get on the ship. And, and with some of the cruise lines, the more luxury lines, they're requiring the boosters as well. And so that has been interesting for us because... You know, we had the cancellations when COVID first hit. Then we restarted the industry and things were going well. And then we had uh, the the first um, variant come along, Delta, and down with the slide again. Then we started to go up again and here came Omicron, started to go down and now we're going up again. And now what I'm encountering is people that are either canceling or delaying their trips because they either don't want to be vaccinated, don't want to be boosted, or don't want to go through the testing requirements. And of course, if you leave the country, you've got to test as of now to come back in. And there's a lot of movement right now. They're trying to get it to where if you're vaccinated, you'll be able to come back into the country without having to test again. And that's huge because, you know, you go to the Sandals and Beaches resorts that I sell, they're testing you on site and they're doing it for free. So that's easy. But if you go on your own to say London or Paris or wherever it may be, getting a test in that city might be challenging. Uh, language-wise and location-wise and cost-wise for that matter. And so those are the things that are kind of the hurdles we're in now. Uh, the, the actual virus itself is really, I don't want to say it's not a challenge because I don't want to diminish its impact, but 
it's not the hurdle we're fighting right now as far as really the challenges. And I think slowly but surely these are peeling away. Uh, a lot of people in the cruise industry think that by the summer or maybe the early fall, quite a few of these things, may the, the requirements may go away. Um, but it's going to be a slow process because we don't want to be shut down again. And we want to make sure we do it correctly. And so they're going to be overcautious instead of undercautious. So we, you talked about Clea earlier, and I, mm -hmm. and I can't go on without bringing up, you were recognized at that event. So tell us about that and what, what that means to be able to achieve that. Well, thank you for bringing it up, first of all. And, and honestly, Jeremy, it's one of those things where I'm still not sure that it sunk in as to what happened. Uh, last November, I got the call that at the Cruise 360 conference this year, which was about three weeks ago, I was going to be inducted into their Hall of Fame as their Elite Cruise Counselor of the Year. And, and what that basically means is uh, CLIA does a training program for travel advisors. And there are different levels of it. Uh, CCC is the entry level, which is a certified cruise counselor. And then it goes ACC, MCC, and ECC. And each of those is essentially the cruising equivalent of a college degree. Your CCC would be your two-year associates. Uh, the ACC would be your bachelor's. And MCC would be a master's. And elite would be the equivalent of a doctorate in cruising. And so every year at their conference, they do a gala uh, celebration on Thursday nights. Uh, they bring in the cruise lines and they bring entertainment from their ships. We had the Donna Summer Musical. And, uh, it was one of the ones that came and did a performance for us. Mosaic, which is an incredible vocal group that performs on Royal Caribbean, was there. But intermixed with that, they give away three awards. One of them is the Elite Cruise Counselor of the Year, which is, I guess the best way to put it would be the Top Travel Advisor of the Year. Uh, the other two are Innovator, which is somebody who's done something in the industry to revolutionize it. And, and I'm excited to say that the two other people that got rewards, I was so thrilled to be a part of that class. Uh, the Innovator was a guy that is um, kind of the YouTube king of travel. He does ship tours and videos like you wouldn't believe. But what's amazing about it, Jeremy, is not only does he do them for his travel agency that his family owns, but he in the video says, I don't want you to come to our agency if you're working with another agent. He is very much about growing the entire industry, which is why he deserved the award. And then the Lifetime Achievement Award, which is the big one of the night, went to a guy named Adolfo Perez, who is kind of the travel agent face of Carnival Cruise Line. But he has an amazing story, and it's one of those that should inspire everybody. Adolfo started as a guy who was checking in people and carrying baggage at the cruise terminal in Miami 40 years ago. And out of Carnival's 50-year history, he's been with Carnival 40 years. And he rose from a 16- or 17-year-old kid working at the terminal on embarkation day to senior vice president of, I don't even know what his title is, but he's one of the big wigs at Carnival. And I, you know, the only people I can think of that have been there longer have the last name Arison and founded the company. And so it, it's pretty impressive to be there 40 years. And so um, it was it was quite a night to be able to get that award. They still haven't sent it to me, so I'm still not sure I dreamt it. But once I get the trophy in hand back in the office here, then I'll know it was for real. But thanks for bringing it up. It was it was truly one of the honors of my career to be able to to be able to receive that award. That, that's awesome. Maybe, maybe it was they thought it. They thought it was Chris Grummy, and <laughs> maybe they pulled it back. Um, no, but that's, that's wouldn't an surprise me. Award. Yeah, incredible award and uh, an honor. So, 
let's let's talk a little bit. We talked about cruising. Let's just talk about business in general. Um, okay. What are what are some of the things that have made you successful over the years? You know, I think it comes down to very simple things. Um, a couple of guys and I that are in the travel business are in the process of doing what you have already successfully done, and that's write a book. And ours is going to be about the basics of running a travel agency, whether you're starting out or uh, somebody who's seasoned. And one of the things that I found, and I honestly think is our keys to success, are things that to me are common sense, but nowadays are not common. And that's things like returning phone calls, returning emails, uh, doing what you say you're going to do, uh, not making promises you can't keep. And I know that that sounds cliche or whatever it may be, but it's amazing how true it is. I can't tell you the number of customers that have called me and they have said, um, you weren't the first agency we called. We went in the phone book and we went alphabetically or whatever it may be, and or we went on in line and we called agency ABC first and they never responded. And so now I'm reaching out to you. I just had a lady uh, two days ago who uh, called me and said, you know, I was a customer of yours 10 years ago. I forgot that you did cruises. They did a land-based vacation. She said, I called Cruise Line X to, to book a group cruise and they were not very communicative with me and they weren't explaining things the way I wanted. And guess what? I got the business now. And to me, that's simple. Returning those calls and answering those questions is part of what I do, but it, it blows me away and people say, I'm so grateful for you doing that. That's what I do. It's my job. But I think that we forget the basics and decent customer service is the mark nowadays in a lot of places, sadly. And so when I go someplace where the customer service is superior, I am so complimentary. I, I will go find managers. I'm the guy in that progressive commercial. Where's the manager? Because I want to tell you how good your staff did because it's so rare these days. And I think that that's the trick. Um, I just bought a house, as you know. I just, um, I go through a lot of days not only booking stuff for my customers, but for myself. And I'm always amazed at the different levels of service that I get. And with the house as an example, um, I had one particular element of that transaction. I don't want to call them out publicly, but one particular element of that transaction was actually two different ones were not very communicative and were not very good at the basics of if you send a one one sentence email with a question, they couldn't answer it. And to me, that's just not good customer service. And so I think that's a lot of it. Um, and just and, and I'll throw out one other thing, Jeremy, know your products, because that's the other thing. You know, I spend a lot of time on ships and people go, oh, yeah, that's such a, a tough job. You know, you're, you're getting to vacation for seven days. Well, maybe, but I'm also spending time learning about the ships, going to the different venues, trying out different things to make sure I understand them completely. Because if you don't know your product, how can you possibly sell it, no matter what it is? Uh, even if you're not selling products, even if you're in a business where it's not necessarily transactional, know what you're doing and be up to date. Uh, I think those are so key. Yeah, real estate agents, I, that's that's my bread and butter, the people that I, mm -hmm. I get to work with, about 80% and then 20% small businesses, is that, uh, you know, communication, you know, when you're talking to the, and I'm interviewing them to, to potentially coach them, is realizing that the communication is not there. They're not prospecting. And it's, it's the simple things, like you said, Chris, of providing the service and the follow-up and and I think that's, I don't know why that's happening. And it seems to happen more and more. I don't know if it's people 
maybe we're from a different generation where that was trained in, you know, it's it was baked in the goods. Uh, yet it just seems like today it's like you said, it's mediocre is like the, the service you're going to get, you know, expect. And, and I even find myself, unfortunately, not, not even used to make me really mad because I'm like, I don't do that. And now it's, it's almost like we're accepting it. So almost by accepting yeah. it, we're allowing it to happen. So I have to turn the switch back on sometimes to remind people, Hey, it would be nice if you would have called me. Or it'd been nice yeah. if you just texted me and let, let me know. It'd been nice if we had this appointment that's been scheduled for over a week and five minutes after the appointment started, you send me something saying, oops, I double booked myself. Mm. Um, and there's, there's just a lot of that. We had a real estate transaction here recently and uh, same thing, part of the process. But and, and if my agent's listening, she was amazing. She was great. But somebody else in the process they just, when you called them and asked a question, it was almost like you were bothering them. Yeah. And they were important questions. And so I think you hit on a lot of things right there that very, very simple things that if people just do those, it'd be amazing to see what their business would do. Well, it's funny, you read my mind because my follow-up to that was going to be exactly that, that we've almost come to accept it. And in, it fresh, and in a lot of areas of society, you know, we, we say, well, that's just the way it is. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you one of the things I'm excited about today is today's the day that Broadway Across America tells me what shows are coming to Houston. And I love going to the theater, but one of the things that frustrates me is audiences of today are not as courteous as audiences of yesterday. And you'll, you'll say to ushers or to the house managers, and they'll say, well, you know, that's the way it is, unfortunately. It doesn't have to be that way. Why are we allowing bad behavior to continue? Why are we allowing bad customer service to continue? Why are we not, not going to the businesses that do badly and, 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 and um, complimenting the ones that do do well? You know, it's, it's, um, you think of a, and, and I'll try not to name names again because I don't want to get in trouble, but you think of a local Texas burger chain where when you go there, rarely do you get an order wrong and they will customize it five million different ways for you. And I, and I, I love that place. And I will tell you that it's been the rare time that I've had to go back in and say, Hey, you screwed up and gave me this or that or the other. There's also a great chicken franchise um, that might make fillets that also, you know, you rarely get a wrong order. And they're doing the same volume as the one with the golden you-know-whats. But how often do they screw up orders? It seems like it's almost all the time. And so one side's decided to accept it. The other side's decided to say, we're not going to accept it. And what's the difference? To me, it's good management, good employees, taking care of your people and making them want to do well. And that's, to me, the key to it all is you've got to want to do well. And, and honestly, Jeremy, you know, you and I are in the same boat in the sense that we own our own businesses. So our fate is in our hands. And I think a lot of times if you don't have skin in the game, maybe you don't take it as seriously. And if we could figure out a way to make that, <laughs> make people understand that, I think everybody should own a business for a while. and Everybody should have to wait tables for a while. And boy, your perspective would change very, very quickly. Yeah, that's that's what we said to our daughter. We were like, you're gonna, you know, she's like, Can I can I work with you? Or, you know, can you help me find? I was like, No, you're gonna go work for the general public and mm -hmm. get a get a good old dose of the general public. So yeah. I think I think it gives you a different perspective when you've gone through something like that. And and I truly believe if you don't have skin in the game, you know, the buy-in to what the owner is trying to accomplish with their business is is oftentimes not there. So I think 
where that can be changed is those people like at the double golden arch place. Um, <laughs> if they had, if they had more leadership training, uh, mm-hmm. more motivational uh, type training and, you know, help paint a vision or opportunities for these people to, to continue to grow and maybe one day own their own or go out and start another business. And yeah. it's just not there. You can just see it when you talk to them, there's just no motivation. They don't even want to yeah. be there. And, you know, who knows what they did to the burger in the back. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I have in the situations where I have personally been mentoring people, whether they be travel advisors or when I was in radio, I would kind of use that as an analogy. I would say, OK, so you get a job and, you know, everybody thinks the first job is working at McDonald's flipping burgers. And so, OK, a lot of us started that way. So you have two choices when you get that first entry level job, whether it's flipping burgers or whatever it may be. You can choose to be upset that you're at the bottom of the totem pole making $5 an hour. Or I remember my first job, it was $3.75 an hour, was minimum wage, and I was making 5 and I thought I was the king of the hill. you know. But you're starting at that minimum wage, whatever it is now, and you can be upset about that and say, well, this just isn't fair, and I, you know, I deserve better. Or you can be the best burger flipper there is, and then you get a promoted one day to chief burger flipper. And then the next thing you know, you're store manager. The next thing you know, you're district manager. And then, like you said, maybe the next thing you know, you're actually owning a franchise. And then it turns into two, and it turns into four. And then suddenly you have a whole region of Whataburgers or whatever it may be. And that's how you grow. But you can't get from A to B to C if you don't have that motivation and that want and that desire to get to the next level. And, and I'll be honest with you, back when I started my radio career, I wanted it to go like that, you know, click, click, click. And it didn't, and it was frustrating early on. But once you kind of get through work for a while, you go, okay, now I get it. I, you know, I hate it when people say, you gotta pay your dues, but it's true. You do have to kind of climb that ladder and success doesn't happen overnight. And I'll tell you in the radio business, we learned that I've interviewed a million different bands that had their first hit and everybody's like, oh, you're an overnight success. They said, no, we've been playing the clubs for 10 years trying to catch a break. Yeah, it it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I'm, no, I'm in the doesn't. fifth year of owning my own business. I work I work for some some national real estate brokerages for a period of time. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a it's a totally different thing when everything now is on on your back, you know, the decisions that you have to make, the losses that you take, the, mm-hmm. you know, the successes that you have, they're, they're really all, all dependent on how you look at the world and, you know, that perspective and, you know, and that keep being able to keep going. That was shared on a, a podcast I did with somebody else here recently was his biggest advice to a, a small business owner is just to, to keep going. Mm-hmm. And um, what is your, what is your biggest pet peeve? Like when you look at businesses, what is, what's the one that just jumps out at you and just it just grabs you and you're like, oh my gosh, if I could take them out back. Oh, that's a great question. Boy, how, how much time do we have? Uh, you know, I, I might have a few there. Um, you know, I think that the first thing that comes to mind to me is when people or businesses um, are deceptive in how they advertise what they do or their products or their services. And and honestly, and even in my industry, sometimes we're guilty of that. And you know, you see the commercials and it'll say a cruise from 299. And all the people see is 299. And then they call and they want the 299 cruise. Well, that's a three night cruise out of Florida in the middle of April. You know, it's not a summer cruise out of Galveston in a suite. And I, I get why they do that. It's to kind of pull that set that hook and pull you in. But 
I'm not a big fan of that because I think that it ultimately frustrates the consumer. And you and, and that's a that's not a bad example, but you know what I'm talking about. You get some of these businesses that the the the, the advertising is just this side of unethical. And that bothers me. Um, and then one other that I would say is just businesses or business people that have no ethics and that will do anything for a buck. That might be my even worse than the other one. Just because I personally know that if I make a mistake with a customer or something goes wrong, I don't sleep well at night. It just frustrates me. And I think that mistakes should sting you because otherwise you're not going to learn from them. And there I've met agents in in travel that are that, that just have no morals whatsoever and they will do whatever it takes they will we we did a travel agent event um a travel agency event a few years ago and two other agents showed up trying to poach our clients and you just I, i'm just blown away by that you know if that's the level you have to sink to do business it will come back and get you one of these days and it will get you in the worst possible time because karma we know what she is and it will get you eventually but that's probably mine i would think I had, uh, well, it happened to me a few times when I was selling real estate, I, my big uh, way to prospect and generate leads was to host open houses. Mm -hmm. And I had it happen more one time where somebody, another agent would be sitting outside waiting for that individual to come back out of the house and then start talking to them. And you can only imagine how that conversation looked. Um, oh, yeah after after i realized what they were doing so mm -hmm. yeah people yeah there are people out there that just will stoop to any level to to make a buck and usually the the consumer that gets gets picked up or swooped up by them have a horrible experience so they'll never mm -hmm. use them again either so yeah I, I call them churn and burn they just they'll go and do something unethical because they know they're just gonna go do it again they're not gonna keep the client yeah. happens happens all the time and um yeah, as far as like the deceptive thing that I see that a lot in coaching, where I'll get I get emails all the time, coaches that want to coach coaches, or they have a product <laughs> or service to, to yeah. help and and they'll send it out and it'll be it'll be somewhat intriguing and some of them I'll actually respond back and and I'll start asking qualifying questions like what is it? and they're like oh those are all great questions um, but we we got to do this over the phone. And like at that point, if you can't share that with me and I'm doing my, my job of filtering out whether or not I need to have a conversation with you, then I don't even want to do business with you. Yeah. And so a lot of times they'll have the shield up front. You don't know what the pricing is. You don't know what the service exactly is. Uh, they're just like, hey, let's get you on the line. We'll, we'll try to talk you into this. And Yeah. A friend of mine sent me a, another travel agency that's on the East Coast. And I'm going to be real careful about how I say this. But they sent me something and said, is this legal and is this not deceptive? And it's a travel agency that decided to do a cruise themed around a popular TV show. And they set it up as the name of the TV show Fan Cruise. I'm going to be real careful not to say the name because I don't want people to look them up. Um, but it's interesting because they do not have permission from the TV show or network to use any of the information, photos or whatever, but they're using those like crazy. And all it's going to take is the lawyers of that show to see that. And not only are they going to get shut down and then all the customers that book that are going to be upset, but they're also going to get probably sued for intellectual property violations or copyright violations. But what's interesting about it is um, people are going on their Facebook page and saying, 
which actors from the show are going to be on here because they're making it sound like that's what's going to happen. And they're saying, oh, well, we don't think they're going to be on because they're busy shooting and blah, 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 but we are asking. And then, do you have permission to use this? And what they're doing is going in and deleting all those comments. And it's just not a way to do business. And if I was a customer of that company, I'd be going, I don't know if I want to work with you guys because if you'll cut that corner, what else will you do? And that's what scares me is... As a travel advisors, I don't want to see anybody else out there doing that kind of thing because it makes us all look bad. Yeah, yeah, it does. And your your real estate agent sitting outside the house makes all real estate agents look bad, you know, because unfortunately that's what the customer sees and goes, oh, this is how that industry works. You know, used car salesmen get a terrible reputation because of a lot of the snake oil ones. There are good ones out there, but you don't want that to be the reputation of travel agents or real estate agents or whatever it may be. There, yeah, there was a study at one point when I was during my sales career, may have changed since, that the used car salesman was actually seen in, in a better light than the road. Uh, so it, hopefully that's well, certainly, certainly better than Congress and any politicians, I would think, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right. Uh, one piece of advice you'd like to give a small business owner that may be listening in today. What, what's one piece of advice that you'd like to share with them? Well, that's, you know, that's interesting. I think what you said earlier would have been my advice, and that is to keep going. Um, you know, one of the things that I got to say in my Hall of Fame speech was that leaving radio, which quite frankly was, you know, a five-day-a-week, four-hour-a-day job uh, that didn't require a lot of physical effort or, you know, and I had no money in the game, that was a scary decision. But getting in to start my own company was was quite frankly frightening. But it has been the most rewarding thing. And every time that we get a booking and every time I see the company grow, it is, it's is—it's like having a child and seeing it prosper and do well. And so I would say, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. If it does, congratulations, but it's not. Um, and it may take you years to get to the place you want to be. Uh, you know, I'm 11 years in the business now, and I got an award as one of the best in the industry a couple of months, uh, last month. It took 11 years. It was certainly not an overnight success. And quite frankly, I'm not sure I'd earned it at that point. But, you know, keep working at it and keep growing at it. And I would add one other thing, second piece of advice. Pay it forward and mentor people that are in your industry that are new. Because like we've talked about, Jeremy, the, the, as I said in my speech also at CLIA, that the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And that weak agent that sits outside of the house and and tries to poach customers, maybe they would change if they understood that they could get that money in a better way. And if they were well-trained, they could earn even more than being unethical. And same thing with whatever business you're in. Um, teach, when you learn something, pass it on. And I know that's one of the things you enjoy as a coach, is being able to take what you've learned over the years and give that experience to people and say, here's what I learned. And more importantly, here's where I made mistakes. And I don't want you to make those. And that's why we're writing our book is to basically help the new generation of travel advisors be the best they can be, but also avoid making the mistakes that we made, you know, and that's, I think the key is listen to the folks around you and, and keep growing and keep working and you will get there. If you put in the work, it will get there. Uh, and especially nowadays where the bar is set a little bit lower than it used to be. You know, you, you just be the best you can be and you will see results. Wow, that's that's wonderful advice. And, um, and it's good to hear, you know, even 
even though that's what I live by to just hear other people share, it's also an encouragement to me. So thank you for sharing that, Chris. All right, so you provide, Premier Custom Travel provides uh, cruising experience, land-based experiences. Tell us a little bit about that and how people can connect with you to book their next experience. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, we, we are cruise heavy. And the reason we are that way is because Galveston not only has Royal and Carnival, but now Disney, Princess, Norwegian, and who knows who else is going to show up in the future. But Galveston is booming as far as cruises go. So that's a lot of our business. And we do over 50 different cruise lines, all the ones you've heard of. And then I've got a handful that you probably never heard of, but might be great for that niche cruise, whether you're looking to go to Antarctica or the Galapagos and places like that. So we do cruises all over the world. Uh, we do the theme parks, Disney World, Disneyland, Universal Orlando. Um, Disney also has some things that a lot of people don't know about. Adventures by Disney, which is guided vacations for families where everybody gets to do the things they want to do. I remember as a kid, my parents took me to Italy and we're going to see all these museums. And as a nine-year-old, you don't want to see paintings. But you, the monuments are kind of cool, but you want to go off and do other things. That's what they do. Um, we also do guided tours for families and adults uh, through a company called Globus, and we can take you anywhere in the world, both guided and independent. So if you want to be on your own but have all things set up for you in Paris or London or China, wherever it may be, we can do that. And then the last element of our portfolio is the Sandals and Beaches Resorts, uh, the all-inclusive resorts in the Caribbean. And the difference between the two, Sandals is couples only. Beaches is for anybody, so you can go as a single, you can go as a couple, you can go as a family. Um, but those are the four things that are in our portfolio. There are some things that we do not do, um, but of course, if somebody reaches out, I'll just flat say, you know, that's not something that's in our portfolio or it's not our expertise, because that's another piece of advice, Jeremy. Don't try to be a jack of all trades because you can't be. You know, find what you're good at and be good at it. And that's what we have found is those are our four areas of real expertise. And the pandemic taught us to get rid of a few suppliers that we didn't think treated customers very well. And so now we've narrowed it to those four things. And if you want to get a hold of us, uh, the website's premiercustomtravel.com, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, because -E uh, some people have trouble with that word, but premiercustomtravel.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on uh, Instagram. And uh, if you link up with us on our website, uh, we've got everything you could ever want to know about what we do there. Awesome. And I am a client as well. It's kind of like the hair, you know, the hair club. I'm, in. <laughs> I'm, I'm not only a client, I'm the president. Uh, you know, I, I've been a client of Chris, Chris's for, for years now. And uh, I, I really appreciate the, the setting up the cruises yet being able to provide experiences because that's what going on vacations do or should do is provide experiences that create memories and We've made some really good memories over the years with, with our family. So thank you, Chris. You know, that's a great point, Jeremy. And I think that's something I'd like to end on, or at least I'm assuming that's where we're coming to the end of. Because um, I could talk to you for hours, honestly. I, I think you have some interesting insights. Um, when you go on vacation, it should be about the experiences. We'll get people that'll go to Walt Disney World and they panic because we've got to get all the rides in. We've got to go to all four parks. We've got to do all this. No, you don't. Go and enjoy your family. And if you only get on five rides that day, so be it. But make those memories because that's what you're going to remember 
10, 15, 20 years from now. And I've been privileged to watch your kids grow up since we started booking because it's been 10, 11 years ago that we started booking you and look at your kids now from where they were then to now. And I see the pictures and your memories and I go, oh my, where did they get that big? And I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. But I know the things you'll remember the most are the things you did with Logan or Emma or, or with your wife, Lori. Those are the things you'll remember. Not necessarily that you were in the Haven, which was lovely, but what did you do while you were there? What did you do when you were in New Orleans waiting to get on the ship? You know, those are the things that people remember. And I think that's the key takeaway is when you're traveling, yes, see the sights, do this and that and the other, but make those memories because those are what you'll remember down the road. Well, Chris, thank you again today. And if you're looking to, to book travel, I highly recommend Chris and his team. You can find them at premiercustomtravel.com. Again, premiercustomtravel.com. Thank you, Chris, for everything that you brought today. Jeremy, a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, looking forward to doing it again sometime. Thank you for listening to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. If you heard something that made a difference in your life today, share it with someone that might benefit and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Learn more about the host of this podcast and coaching services offered by Red Hawk Coaching by visiting www.redhawkcoaching.com.